All right. Uh, I don't know what that means. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's a pleasure to welcome one of the greatest running backs of all time, the Hall of Famer, Eric Dickerson. And uh, he is here because he has gotten into the NFT market, partnering with uh, Zealous. Uh, Eric, uh, welcome to the show. This stuff's all new to me. It, it, it must be new it must be new to you, too, right? Rick, man, this stuff is brand new. Well, you know what? I ain't going to say it's that new. I, 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 been t- I talked about it almost two years ago. Hmm. With uh, my business partner, a guy named Gustavo Miguel, which I knew nothing about it. He was starting to learn about it also. And uh, he started playing it more and more. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I'm still learning about it. I'm not I'm not an NFT expert or nothing like that. But I kind of got a hold of it. And I think the big thing is that it's digital. It's a digital card. It's not like the old paper card. It's something that you can pass down. You know, without having to okay, I got to keep it in mint condition. So, um, and I've seen a couple of them. I saw some of them, some of them before they were actually, you know, put out. I'm like, oh, those are nice. So it is something different. The Dickerson Legendary Collection will be a set of 50 NFTs. It says that combine artistic rarity and VIP experiential benefits to maximize appeal and value. What are some of the things we're talking about here, Eric? Well, one thing is, I think, um, I know, the, the person who buys the, the the number one card, the one of one, got 48 hours to buy that one. They get a chance to go to the um, College Hall of Fame in December uh, with me, um, um, and that's in, that's at the Aria Hotel. So it's just not getting a card, you know. And I'm always big on. I, I really believe that someone who buys something, spend their hard-earned money. I don't care how much money you spend. It's not that worth about the dollar amount or whatever it is. Is that you should, you know, get a chance to talk to that person, interact with them. So. That's uh, that's that's one of the pluses. You know, you get a chance to meet me and also go to the, the, the College Hall of Fame in um, Las Vegas, Nevada, and spend some more money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and the interesting thing too is that uh, your alma mater, SMU, with the AD Rick Hart, they're they're getting on board with this. They're a part of it too, right? Most definitely. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm very happy and very proud of that that, that SMU is, is getting on board with it. Uh, you know, it's been many, 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 many moons since I've been in college. <laughs> so uh, I'm really happy that that Rick Hart and SMU is getting on board with it. You know, I'm, uh, I was in high school when you were in college, and I still think about the Pony Express and Craig James and Ron Meyer, that, that whole thing. And, and it, it didn't fade away, at least for me. I was still front and center. Are you, are you kind of surprised that the Pony Express is still legendary? Rick, man, yes. I'm, I'm going to tell you a quick story. My my mom, my mother, my great-great-aunt who raised me, I was adopted. And I wanted, I really wanted to go to Oklahoma. That's why I went to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to USC, on a visit to USC. Uh, it was just too far. But where I wanted to go was OU, and I'll never forget. She's like, so look, son, you're a Texas boy. You know, going to, I said, I'm an old lady. I can't be flying no Oklahoma. Why are you going to Oklahoma? You need to stay in Texas. <laughs> and she really liked Coach Meyer and SMU. And that was kind of my second choice. But I'll, I'll never forget what she said. She said, look, Eric, she said, I don't know a lot about football, but they seem to have a lot of guys there that, you know, that have done a lot of great things at Oklahoma. She said, if you go to SMU, she said, what's the kid down the street? And that was Craig James. Because she heard, you know, and heard the Craig is possibly talking about going to SMU too. Mm-hmm. She said, if y'all go there together, y'all could start something they could be talking about forever, Eric. Wow. I mean, forever. And I'm like, wow, she had the foresight that I did not have. So I give her credit uh, for me going to SMU. I'm so glad that I did go to SMU. And like I said, that was Viola Dickerson's vision. And I just followed it. Wow, yeah, she called that totally. And I, what I think is interesting, too, is that running backs were always told 
don't run upright, don't run upright. And you were completely upright, and you had those knees. So anybody who got in your way was going to get a knee in their jaw. Did you have coaches try to tell you not to run so straight up? All the time. I mean, all the time. So I'm in track, and, and that was one of the first things. You know, you run too high, son. You got to stay down low. And uh, I said, I mean, it was just, I couldn't do it. I tried it, and I just, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I mean, I, you know what I felt? I felt like I was running like the hunchback from Notre Dame, like I'm trying to stay low. And I just, I, could, I couldn't pull it off, and it just became natural to me. And people don't understand, see, I'm tall. I'm, I'm six foot three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I put the pads on and, and, and the cleats and everything, I'm about six four. Mm-hmm. And so um, it always looked like I'm running high. But when I came through the line of scrimmage, I was in a crouch position at that point. Mm-hmm. But when I hit the open field, then that's when that track, you know, that track took over, and I just straight up. I think you had the foresight too to put on some goggles to protect your eyes. I mean, everybody has a story. I played D two. We all have stories about getting a fingernail in our eye and anything else. I mean, that was a, a look that you kind of pioneered. Man, I hated them glasses. I was blind, blind as a bat. Really. I can't <laughs> see. <laughs> I still wear glasses. Trust me, I didn't want to wear them things. I had to wear my, when I, you know, in the 70s, I had to wear my school glasses. They didn't have sports glasses yet <laughs> with, a, with a band around the back of them, and, and they looked ridiculous. And so when the sports glasses came out, they, they helped a lot. Man, I hated them things. I tried, to, I tried not to wear them some. I'd go with the, the contacts. They'd get popped out. So mm-hmm. I, just, I, had to, I had to go with the goggles. And, and I guess I, everybody kind of knew me, you know, wearing those, those goggles. <laughs> Couple more questions for Eric Dickerson, partnering with Zealus on some NFTs. I was just talking about a couple of the guys here that you, you've got to be the most famous number twenty nine in sports history. And we've had a few baseball players, but I mean, just as far as Hall of Fame, can you think of any other twenty nine that's above you in any other sport? Man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, I guess not. You know, you know how you know how you know how we came. I'm gonna tell you the story how we came number twenty nine. So I was 19 in college. That was my number, 19. And, and I, I always wanted to have something different. I didn't want to be like, you know, my favorite player was OJ. Mm-hmm. I like Walter. I like Jim. But I didn't want to, Earl, I didn't want to, I didn't want to wear those numbers. I wanted to be different. So I took number 19, an odd number. I wore it from, from, my, from my sophomore year, my, my, yeah, my sophomore year all the way through high school, through college. And when I got drafted, uh, I got to, got to, to L.A., uh, that, that that morning, you know, to go to the press conference, and I met with the equipment guy. He said, "What number you want?" I said, "I want number 19." So you can't wear 19. I said, "Okay." I said, "What numbers you have?" He said, "We got 25, we got 32, you know, 45, uh, 29, and 40 something." I said, "Well, I just take number 25." He says, "Okay." So I take number 25. So I'm standing up next to John Robinson in Georgia Frontier, holding up number 25, mm-hmm. and I still have the picture. Wow. You know, we standing there on drone draft day. When I get back, my best friend, he picked me up at the airport. I got back to Dallas late that night. And he said, man, what number did you take? I said, I took number 25. He said, 25? Why you take that slow-ass number? That's a slow number. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it. I'm like, man, you're right, man. He said, why don't you take 19? I said, I told him, he couldn't. I told him, so you can't take 19. Yeah. He said, why don't you take 29? I'm like, man, you, I mean, let me tell you something, Rick. I could not hardly sleep that night. I could not <laughs> wait till the next morning to get up and call back to L.A. to tell them what to change my number. So I called back to Mr. Hewitt. I said, Mr. Hewitt, uh, I want to change my number. He said, well, Eric, uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, you're in the L.A. Times holding up number 25, so you got to wear 25. I said, well, you know what? I'm not coming here. <laughs> he said, okay, you'll be 29. <laughs> so that's how, that's how I became number 29. 
That's a great story. And, yeah, I think about 25, you know, it's Fred Blitnikoff, great player, but not that fast. That's a slow-ass number. I'll never forget that. Right. That's too funny. So I, I always ask every former Raider if they have a an owl story off the top of their head. You, you got one? Oh, off the top of my head. Well, I remember when they, when they, when they tried, when they, they wanted to, you know, have me come to the Raiders. And, uh, you know, the, the thing was is that, you know, they were going, their, their idea was going to get rid of markers on trade markers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. I mean, if I'm gonna come here, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to try to take another, you know, because I, you know, I respect for another player, especially Marcus. And because um, you, you know, you know, being a Raider is a great thing, being a fan for the Raiders, and you know, I've always watched you, you know, I think you're a great player. That 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 that, that whole spiel. Mm-hmm. And it was all said and done. I'm like, okay, well, I remember the trade deal. I came and gone. I'm like, well, Marcus is still here. You know, and I felt bad because you know it was, and it was. Let me tell you something. It was a debacle that year. We had a lot of great players on that team, but it was a debacle. Mm-hmm. And all I know is this here, is that it was times when I was playing, I'll never forget it. I, one I can think of in particular, we played the um, the um, San Diego Chargers. And I had 104 yards at half. And the guy got a, I mean, I don't know, it was a call came from upstairs, and I was on the bench for the, for the rest of the game. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, okay. This is odd. Wow. I mean, be quiet. Be quiet. And that just goes to show. I mean, Al Davis ran everything about that team back then, every day. And so, but I liked Al. I really liked him, but I just thought it was just, it was just, it was was very different there. Let's put it like that. Fair enough. Last question for you. Now we have the NIL, the name, image, likeness, and and you're a guy that, at the time, if it happened in the late 70s, 80s, you could have cashed in on, on that. What do you think about student athletes now being maybe student employees well first of all i've always been in favor of the student athletes getting some kind of money because the universities make all the money mm-hmm. i just feel like that you know players especially you know you know you have all other sports especially women's sports and i'm i'm, I'm all for women's sports i really am I'm, I'm i think that women should get paid like if you can do the same thing a man does and better you should get paid like that but i feel like this that football runs these universities, the football team. That's where all the money comes from. I'll tell you, I the money. Have you ever seen 80,000 people at a swim meet? <laughs> Have you ever seen 100,000 people at a baseball game? No. <laughs> Have you ever seen 100,000 people at a track meet? No. Unless it's, unless it's the Olympics. So you got to understand football runs everything. And I just feel like the players should reap some of the benefit. The university reached it. And the first thing is, oh, we could do a scholarship. But look at all of them. That, that scholarship is paid for in the first year, you know, when I, when I show up to, to, to the university. So, I'm four players getting paid. Uh, it's not going to be life-changing money anyway. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these guys, look, let's be honest, a lot of these athletes, they don't go to school to graduate. Most of them think they're going to play professional football. And a lot of them, I hate to break it to them, they're not. The number is so small, mm-hmm. you know, they're fooling themselves. I just wish they would, they, they get, that gives them something, just something, a little bit of something, you know, to have, you know, when they get out of school or while they're in school. No doubt. I want to remind everybody that the NFT auctions will begin on the 17th. Go to smunft.io, the legendary editions lasting 24 hours, and the one of, uh, one of one Hall of Fame edition for 48 hours, and you can purchase a credit card, and NFTs will be able to transfer to multiple crypto wallets like MetaMask or Rainbow. And for more information on Zealus, go to zealus.io as well. Hey, uh, Eric Dickerson, thanks for coming on, man. Great talking football with you. Thanks for the stories. Oh, Rick, thank you. Okay.
All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back, y'all.